You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What did you see all the day? You and the tree were such a busy wee, but now we hear you down the street. And you're in the little shade of a video You kind of started out in television. Well, actually, even before that, you were um, doing some work with William Castle. How was that? What was he like to work with? That was uh, one of my one of my first jobs. Uh, actually, that was the first feature film that I got to cast. I was a, a casting director at Universal, and I, at, up to that point, I was like in my second year of doing that, learning that job, and 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 they assigned me to uh, to work with him, which was which was fun because he was, you know, already a bit of a, a legend, and he's a, he's just a great big bear of a guy who, who looked like he could be kind of gruff and 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 cranky, but uh, he was anything but. He was just really really a sweetheart, <laughs> very very nice, and and just had a great imagination. Um, you know, as a, as a showman. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, a lot of fun to, to work with him. How did you go from being a casting director into actually directing? As you, you may know, I had, uh, been at the Yale Drama School a, as a director. And, uh, though that was, that was theater. So, so when I came to California, I kind of had to kind of go back to square one and, Work my way up from the bottom, so to speak, you know, starting in in the mailroom and trying to find a job. People would say, "What do you want to do?" And oh, I want to direct. What have you directed? Plays? Uh, get out of here! <laughs> we don't want you. <laughs> you know, leave. I found an opportunity to uh, get into into casting from from the mailroom. I was a tour guide and all kinds of things, and then uh, training as a casting director. Well, the good part about that was, A, it was allowing me to work with actors, which I already enjoyed tremendously and uh, from my all of my theater background. And I was also starting to work with, you know, producers and directors real closely, you know, learn from them. And then the director's happy to have me on the set asking idiotic questions and you know, learning by watching, watching them. So um, when when I eventually started to work for a producer, Bill Sackheim, as his uh, assistant, I was kind of on my way to thinking about stuff. But the whole idea of directing film was 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 pretty daunting at that point. And he let me start, you know, directing little tiny tiny things like, you know, I need a a shot of this cigarette in the ashtray. I need a, a shot of this this radio uh, turning on, or you know, all kinds, of, you know, inserts. And then he let me shoot little pickup scenes. Oh, we forgot to get this scene, and we forgot to get that scene. And then eventually he said, uh, "Here, why don't you do a whole episode of this show we're going to do with Hal Holbrook called The Senator." That was my, you know, big break there. Getting to do that with his, you know, without his support, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to make that break. 
One of the things I really appreciate about your career, looking back at it, is obviously your feature work, but really a lot of the TV movies that you did, like Reflections of Murder, Isn't It Shocking, and The Gun, it took me a while to track down some of these, but when I did, I was always very pleasantly surprised just to see the level of craftsmanship and storytelling that was going on on television back in the day. What was that like to direct some of these TV movies? I imagine you were under some tremendous pressures to get stuff done quickly and cheaply. Funnily enough, compared to doing an hour episodic, uh, it was like I got all the time in the world for a uh, something like, uh, like Reflections or Murder. I remember it was shot in like 24 days. Well, if I if that had been episodic television, two hours of an episodic television, it would have been 12 days. You know, we we had the time we could go on location to uh, up to Seattle, where we shot 50% of the film in in Seattle, and even even the gun, which was pretty quick, was about 11 or 12 days, and and that normally would have been like nine if it were episodic. So it was it was terrific, but also you're not restricted by the format of the episode you're directing. You know, if you're going to direct an episode of The Good Wife, let's say, they have a certain look they want. They have a way the tone of the show goes. The actors, I mean, everything is set. So if you come in as a guest director, you're kind of like the cooks at McDonald's. You know, you got to make that double cheeseburger the way the double cheeseburger looks in the diagram. And, you know, in a television movie, you're making up the look as, you know, you go because it's a, you know, it's a one off. And so that's much more fun as a as a director, because you're creating the look as you go with things like that, as opposed to the episodes where you're coming in and uh, and you have to follow the format of whoever did the pilot. So one of the things I noticed is looking at your CV, I don't necessarily see any writing credits, but yet you are such an excellent writer reading this book on directing and then your previous book, I'll Be My Trailer. Was that something that you were always doing? Were you working on scripts or was this, how did this kind of come about? Well, I guess I'm probably better at this kind of non-fictional writing, though I've meddled in and dabbled in and messed with the scripts of almost anything that I've ever done. But have never never thought that I did enough to deserve a, a writing credit on it. Usually, usually discussing story and character and uh, fussing with dialogue, but not not to the point where I thought you know I should take anything away from the writers who were did ninety percent of the work. You know, the guys who start from the blank page, as you know, are the are the heroes. And the guy who comes in afterwards said, "Well, why don't we do this and this and this?" You know, they we're we're uh, just kind of riding on their coattails. But you know, I get a lot of a lot of jokes and humor of uh, uh, pops up in 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 the in the scripts. You know, because I have a silly sense of humor. So that probably is apparent in the writing and the in the books you've been reading. One of the things that I really appreciate while reading these, and actually I'm, I'm listening to on directing, so I'm hearing your voice in the car every day on the way back and forth to work. Oh, wow. <laughs> One of the things that I really appreciate is just hearing the way that you deal with actors and 
always kind of doing that collaboration and trying to get things out while you're on the set and allowing those ideas to flow kind of naturally. So that, that's one of the nice things about it, to, to hear how you work with other people, not just actors, but other creatives as well, to get those ideas out. It's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. When I first started directing, if I was lining up a shot or a scene, I, I would have thought it out, you know, a lot at home. And then I would get in there and with the actors and I'd get them staged and then I would start showing the camera people what I wanted, you know, get very exact about it. And I was having a great time doing it. Uh, nowadays, I do something kind of different, which is I'll get the actors staged and I'll have in my mind just watching uh, what they're doing, what what would be good to shoot. But I, I tell the camera operators, you guys tell me what you want to shoot watching this. And I don't show them anything. So they know after the first day, if not after the first time I do that to them, oh, shit, he's not going to come and tell us what to do. We're going to have to think of this. Oh, my God, we better put our creative hats on. So now I've got, you know, another or two other creative partners, because we usually always shoot with two cameras nowadays who are very involved in, in uh, creating the shots. And I think that's better than having just my mind working on it, because we can always do it the way I thought of. <laughs> but isn't it nice to have the help of guys who are do this all the time? And, uh, you know, I may be shooting 30, 40 days a year, but these guys are shooting 50 weeks a year if they're lucky. And uh, why not take advantage of that? And that, that's the way I work with actors, with editors, uh, you know, everybody. I, I really appreciate that story that you tell about um, the first feature film that you were working on and just how uptight you were taking suggestions from actors, from uh, James Earl Jones and Billy D. Williams on the bingo long traveling all-stars and motor kings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great story. And I love that, you know, you kind of come around in that and, and the scene plays so wonderfully. Oh yeah, it does. And, and I think that's a very common to beginning directors. Now I, I, by that point I've been directing for about five years professionally but it was my, you know, first movie movie. So I was all nervous again about, you know, I got to look like the director. Thank goodness that, you know, the more you do it, at least you can kind of relax and realize you don't have to be right all the time. And you can turn to people and say, God, guys, I, I don't know what to do here. What do you think? <laughs> and, and it's okay. Now, maybe if you were, you know, a very first-time director, you know, they might be going, oh, my God, who'd they saddle us with now? And, and you know, maybe with, with some uh, history behind you, people are more forgiving. But uh, it seems to work out okay. It's just you feel really insecure as a beginning director, terrified. You know, where's the camera go, Mr. Batum? Oh, my God. Are they going to laugh out loud when I say over here? It's been interesting to see some of the sequels that have been made out of the films that you did, like um, War Games 2. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my heart. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm not a big fan of that film. But then to see, you know, how you would return yourself to something like Stakeout and and how the the sequel to that compares, you know, obviously it holds up a lot better. When it came to you looking at source material and kind of putting your own stamp on it, what was it like when you came to Point of No Return? How did you want to kind of use La Femme Nikita as a departure point? Wow. Well, that's that's interesting because when when I first saw La Femme Nikita, the, the French version, of course, I'm seeing it in a little tiny theater in Los Angeles in one of the first multiplexes in Los Angeles. And the theaters were just tiny. They'd have like 40 seats in them and sometimes a big post in the middle of the theater. <laughs> and we're sitting in there kind of squenched in and this is where they put the French movie you know, with the subtitles in this little phone booth of a theater, and along with 15 other theaters in the same, you know, complex. And I'm sitting there with my wife, and, and I said, you know, very few people are going to see this picture in this country because it's subtitled, and people don't like subtitle movies. I just know that. And yet, it's a great story. We should, you know, see if we can make an American version. And if I'm sitting here seeing it in the movie theater, somebody else has already had this idea. I know it. I'm coming late to the party. So next few days, I check on it. Sure enough, Warner Brothers has bought the rights to do it with Luc Besson directing an American version. And I kind of went, no, I knew it. Okay. And and I had expressed my my enthusiasm for the movie to uh, Bruce Berman, who was running Warner Brothers production at that time, and said, "God, I really love it, and I hope you have guys have a good time." And and he got back with me some weeks or months later and said, uh, "Besson woke up one morning and said, I don't want to do this. I already did it. I don't want to do it again. I want to do something new.'" So I said, "Okay." Let's let's work on it and and uh, see if we can make an American version that doesn't forget what's good about the French version. You know, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, but I, I'd like to make it particular to the United States and 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 our culture and so on. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Whatever whatever I made is uh, the you know the result of that, and uh, you know is is out there for people to say. <laughs> I I know I know the French were very pissed off about it. The French critics and 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 all I could say was. Well, Luc Besson wasn't pissed off. He was thrilled to take the money. They were pissed off because we were stealing their culture, right? And I said, well, it's a compliment. We're, you know, we're, we were wanting to spread your culture around. Oh, well, you can't, can't argue with French people. Hopefully you never did mind about the little things. That's right. Yes, that's right. As, as she says, yes, is it Anne Bancroft that says that? Oh, God, that was such a treat to work with Anne Bancroft. You know, one of my one of my actor actor heroes. Yeah, looking at some of the people that you've worked with over the years, I was just uh, revisiting Blue Thunder recently and seeing Warren Oates in there. Of course, oh my He's god, just oh god, so yes. great he was. It just just killed me. Uh, you know, at the very end, if you if you were able to stay to the very end of the credits, you'd see there's a dedication to Warren because he had passed away by the time the film was released, and and I wanted to put it up front and. and and uh, they were, no, oh, 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 we can't depress people before the movie starts. Oh, no. 
and uh, Roy Roy Scheider and I had to kind of lean on him to get you know that dedication at the end. But what a what a treat! What a fabulous actor! Just so professional and funny and interesting. You know, just one of those character actors that they hardly ever make anymore. You know, when we when we get people like that, we're just like God sent us a great gift. The thing about Warren Oates is, even if it's a bad movie, he is stellar, and he. Is in when it's a great movie like a Blue Thunder or an Alfredo Garcia or you know Cockfighter, just makes it so much better. Just amazing, amazing performances every single time. Right, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. I wanted to ask you how you got into being a professor. Arthur Hiller, I was interviewing him for my my first book. I'll be in my trailer, and he said, um, you know, I've been down at uh, Chapman as a filmmaker in residence and and uh you know this is something you should do you just have to go down there on Tuesdays for a semester and spend Tuesday there and they'll run one of your films and you'll answer questions and you'll get to work with some of their better students on films they're making so uh, okay all right so I did that and then uh, the university came to me and offered me a professorship I thought, wow, well, I'm not ready to retire. And if I can still keep on doing films and television, then okay, great. So it's been, it's been really good for me as a director to be able to do that because, you know, when you have to explain things to somebody, you have to get a lot more clear as opposed to what's just kind of rattling around and, you know, in your skull. Uh, you have to be more precise and careful about it and, then suddenly you go, oh, that's why that works. Now I understand it better because I had to explain it to somebody. And I think that I'm a better director of actors and uh, films for having you know, been doing this for eight or nine years now. Is there any kind of interaction with your students and, and what you're, you've been shooting? Do you ever kind of bring them with you to show them how it actually is on a set? Or what, what is that like? Well, it is good to, you know, to try to get them in, involved, get to, get them to see what I'm doing. And with some things that I've been doing in Canada or out of town, I've actually set up a blog site and try to post stuff every day as I'm going as to what I'm doing and make them read the script and send me ideas and then take the, take the cuts in, the, the editor's cuts in and show it to them. So they can, you know, participate. I certainly know that they they love the idea of working with somebody who's actually doing it and didn't give up doing it, you know, 20 years ago. So that they're getting information that's, you know, that's fairly fresh and hopefully, hopefully is useful to them. I think that's one thing I really like about On Directing as well is that you talk about how digital has changed things and the whole idea of, you know, keeping the camera rolling and being able to do multiple takes without breaking, without cutting. It's it's really nice to hear that you're open to, you know, this new stuff and just the way that you're leveraging the technology to get better performances and to keep that flow on set. I hardly know anybody that, you know, doesn't appreciate it from that level, you know, and there's still a lot of diehards who, you know, will hang on to film until they nail them in the box. Um, But for me, it's just a matter of, you know, using one tool versus another tool. And, and, you know, I love film and I think it's wonderful. And 
And yet this works just as well with some huge cost advantages and, and, and workflow advantages. And I now believe that the images, you can't tell the difference between them. What, what you can do, what you can do with the digital media is just gotten better and better and better and better. And, and, you know, it's sad to see the film labs closing. It's sad to see Kodak go into bankruptcy, but, you know, after a while, you say, gee, this stuff must be working. Something's working here. Do you ever do the thing you're talking about, the blog? Are you just kind of able to upload clips a little bit easier now? You don't have to worry about all the processing and the color timing and all that kind of stuff as well? It is really easy. If you're working on a, a television show or a film, uh, you know, you can get up in the morning and in your house and get a cup of coffee and open your computer and look at look at dailies um, because they, they get uploaded to websites. That was just technically not even possible five years ago, or the quality of what was being uploaded was uh, was so degraded because of just not having the bandwidth to be able to upload that kind of complicated stuff. There's still no real substitute for going in and looking at it on a proper size screen to see the details, but for getting a really excellent idea of what you've done, that alternate works pretty well. And, and I see my, my cameraman, you know, sitting down in front of their $25,000 monitors they have on the set now. And, and, and they feel very comfortable with what they're seeing there because they're getting, you know, super duper quality under the best circumstances. I guess I didn't think you had mentioned the idea that you're shooting in Canada rather than shooting, you know, anywhere near where you're teaching at. I know Supernatural shoots up in Canada. Did uh does Nikita and Psych are those all Canadian shows as well? Yeah, uh Supernatural is Vancouver, Psych is Vancouver, Nikita was Toronto. So if if I'm if I'm doing a a, a show like uh, Heroes for example that was in Los Angeles that was actually kind of nice because then I could keep teaching for quite a long time during during preparation and only be gone for a couple of classes during shooting but when I go up to um, Canada I I get one of my colleagues at Chapman to come and sub for me and we kind of help each other out now obviously I'm reading this as kind of uh, you know just an everyman reading your book on directing do you use this as your teaching tool do you teach to this when you're when you're doing your class absolutely absolutely I just (laughs) I just finished grading this morning uh, midterms that uh, have used big hunks of, of both books because there's just so many specific things in there that I want to make sure that they get into their heads. Ideas of, of how to break down the, the scenes and how to break down the scripts, which is the last four chapters of the of John Batamon directing. I put it in the back because it's kind of nerdy for an average reader, and, and yet for students, it's really, really a great tool to have to say, how do I start to approach a scene? How do I start to approach a film? What am I looking for? What what am I focusing on? I don't have any ideas here. And 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 that whole du- idea of the director's checklist, you can almost pick any any question out of that list and say, well, whose point of view is this scene? What what is this character trying to do? I mean, these are easy questions that just suddenly go, oh, I got it. Okay, all right, it all starts to fall into place. 
But if you're looking at it with, you know, blank thoughts, uh, this, these are these are tools, these are crowbars that will, uh, you know, help you break open the scene. One of the things that I found coming to the book is that even though it's called on directing, I think a lot of these tips are right there for screenwriters as well. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I had not thought of it that way, though. Probably I've gathered ideas from so many places, and and uh, as I say in the book, uh, you know, many of these concepts are by no means original with me. But I'm putting them together in a place where they're they're usable for you know for everybody, and I think these are important points to cover. Basically, what I'm asking is, will there be a sequel? to on directing, maybe looking at another, you know, on producing, on screenwriting, taking another uh, another slice of the business as it were. It's very, po- it's very possible. Uh, I, I learned a lot from I'll Be In My Trailer, and, and that's what got me thinking uh, initially about a second edition of that. And then I thought, no, I've got a lot of new material here that, that it really is a second book. It's not just a uh, a rewrite uh, of the other. So uh, I, I'm kind of just gathering my thoughts and see what comes up. <laughs> when I see the the stories about some guys that are, you know, writing two books a year or even one book a year, I go, how do they do that? How is that possible? Uh, I wish I knew. Yeah. I mean, gee, Willikers, they got the, you know, all this scientific journals and things like that and these guys just cranking this stuff out takes me a while i mean once i've got a focus on it uh on you know what i think i'm going to write about that seems to be pretty easy it's just getting to that point one of the things i really appreciate about the book is that it's not just john badham war stories where i know that you have a lot of war stories but also going out there and looking at other directors' work and interviewing other directors and actors and getting all of those things out there as well, it provides such a well-rounded view of all these different aspects of directing, of working with actors, of preparing, of you know how to shoot action, all of that. It's, just, it's really, really nice to have all of these different real-world examples as you're reading the book. It's really helpful. Uh, I, I learned that with the, with the first book, as as I had kind of some almost fixed ideas about how to rehearse, and for example, and then I go to talk to one of my heroes, Sidney Pollock, who goes, "I hate to rehearse." And I'm thinking, this is one of the best actor directors we have, you know, since Kazan died, and he hates to rehearse. And then he says, "Well, you know, what I like to do is I kind of get Redford over to my house for the weekend and." We kind of, you know, ride horses and talk about the script. And, and he said, that really is a rehearsal. But I, I don't get him together with, you know, the other actors until the day of. And I said, okay, well, that's a, that's a technique of rehearsing. And then Soderbergh has, a, you know, a totally different technique on it. And I said, well, you know, we're, we're in a very pragmatic business. And it gets down to what works, not, you know, how do you know, how do you do this? Not are you a Meisner student or are you a Stanislavski student or are you a Stella Adler person or Elise Strasberg? Who gives a flying whatever? You know, we don't pick up the paper and look in the entertainment section. Honey, honey, here's a movie with some Meisner students in it. 
<laughs> let's go and and this one's on time and on budget we do we go wait a second this is a here's a here's a i really like i really like tilda swinton i really like wes anderson i really like uh meryl streep let's go see them because they're wonderful actors and however they got there i don't care though it is strange the counter to that the whole oh my god this movie was so over budget this is going to be a disaster you know people just lining up almost to see what uh kevin costner do on this um water world to make it so bad and all this <laughs> it's like almost like watching a car crash sometimes people get a thrill out of it yeah well this is a i guess you go honey this one is way over budget let's go see it it's a curiosity just like i i was talking today about going to see uh battleship earth the travolta movie years ago just because i was going how could it be so bad why is everybody so down <laughs> so i go oh okay i got it i saw the movie oh my god oh no oh dear uh so I I understand that and Waterworld too um, that kind of that kind of mentality but you know but generally we're going because you know we like we like the people or the story or uh, you know something about it not just the gossip the gossip aspect of it yeah and some of those actually are surprisingly okay if not good I'm a fan of Waterworld can't say I'm the same with Battlefield Earth but. I, I gave it a shot, actually. So <laughs> I know, and and sometimes you go and you see the movie and you go, well, what is everybody complaining about? This is fine. This is really a nice movie. They just got on it because of, you know, some kind of some kind of idea. Sometimes the press takes off on something, and I mean, John Carter from Mars is is not that bad of a movie, but you know, you go, oh boy, I don't know this budget, and I don't know it's. Uh, you know, it didn't deserve the 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 killing that it got, but you know, even so, I I am not maintaining it's a great movie. But no, it was it was perfectly serviceable. I was I've actually yeah. watched it a few times on cable. It's like okay, not bad. It's like if you want to see a really bad movie, I can point you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, we can we can fix you right up with that. Yes. Come see some of my student films sometime. I'll uh, we can we can show you. But of course, they're first time kids, and that's okay. You know, you, I keep telling them you got to learn. You got to make terrible mistakes, and that's the only way you learn. And just don't don't show it to anybody else, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, you're not taking this to a festival. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, but the festival will certainly tell you because you'll never hear back from them. And you'll waste your money putting in with an entry fee. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, what are you currently working on? I know you're still doing the 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 teaching. Uh, any current gigs coming up, or anything in your future? Well, I'm certainly looking forward. I I'd love doing Supernatural, and and that was a lot of fun. Uh, Nikita's gone now, and Psych is gone. So. Um, uh, Supernatural is still with us, and that's good. And uh, hope some other other opportunities come up, because um, I I continue to have fun doing it, and 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 it's a lot easier for me than when I was just beginning, when I was so totally stressed about it. I find it I find it easier to do these quick short shoots, and 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 yet still feel like I'm learning stuff and staying. In the in the, the gymnasium, the directing gymnasium, so to speak, because you know it's easy to get rusty with this. Technology keeps advancing, and you know you just you need to keep experimenting and stretching and trying stuff. And 
having fun with it. And the minute you get to just kind of, oh, oh over the shoulder, close up, close up, okay, next sprint, then you think uh, you shouldn't be doing this anymore. This is, if it's not fun, then you're probably not being creative about it. You should go to work a little bit scared every day. It sounds like you're definitely challenging yourself and then your students are probably challenging you quite a bit. Oh, yeah. 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 So where's the best place for folks to keep up with you? My website, johnbatham.com, is uh, is probably the updated updated place.
just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. He hits my hair. 